would be an ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast, where we're discussing Season 2, Episode 3, Tentacles of Doom. Uh, and this is a really exciting show this week because for start, it's our first road show. We are here in London. Uh, well, it's just myself and my two guests, Jordan Birch and Ollie Alsop. They'll say hello in a second. But also, this is the episode where our podcast name has come from, Ecumenical Matters. So this is a particularly meta little episode of uh, podcast time. As I said, we've got here uh, Jordan Birch and Ollie Alsop. Do you want to just go around the room and introduce yourselves and what you're up to? Yeah, hi, I'm Jordan Birch. I'm a comedian and comedy writer. I'm uh, doing a show in Edinburgh soon about bondage. So that'll be something. Uh, love this episode. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And I'm uh, looking forward to taking it, which I love, analysing it until I don't love it anymore. Until you find all the tiny little mistakes exactly. and just ruins it for yourself. Brilliant. Come, come to think of it, that's that's what I do with everything I love. I was going to bring up the bondage, by the way. I didn't know that that was the subject of the... Your comedy, so yeah, it? yeah. I mean, it's I'm I'm finding I can't fill an hour just with jokes about bondage. So there's other there's other stuff in it. It's you know it's it's got characters and and stories and things. But yeah, there's a lot of bondage and, and sexy costumes and things like that. Well, bondage has come up in the podcast before. Uh, Vince suggested that maybe Mrs. Doyle is into her BDSM. Interesting. She is servile, but she's also very domineering. So which yeah. side is she on? So maybe you and Vince could have a conversation about that at some point. I think but... she would. I think she would qualify as a lifestyle um, submissive, probably. Right. Okay. She, she's a, she's she's a whole other level of it. She doesn't even need the sexual aspect. Well, that's what I say. I don't think she's sexual at all. Yeah, it's she, all mental with her. Yeah, definitely. So, it's a good right. theory. It's a good yeah. theory. Just beside you there, we have Ollie Alsop. Uh, so, say hello, Ollie. Uh, hi, I'm Ollie, and I'm a comedy writer, or I pretend to be, or I'm trying to be. Probably most relevantly, I've uh, been writing some things, getting some people, such as your current host, Mr. James Back and SB, yeah, to me. perform them. If you're listening to this thing on SoundCloud, then it would be very much appreciated if, after the end of this episode, go to like other things that are following or being followed by this, by the ecumenical matters. Then, if you look for a thing called "This is definitely what happened," which are <laughs> I sort of settled on calling them monologues, but I don't know if that's that's the closest I can get to what they are. But well, yeah, they're, they're sort of fictional monologues. Would that be fair? So basically, I played. Alex Higgins in the, yeah. in the recent one literally just finished recording about yeah. half an hour ago so all it, of them are like from the first person point of view of, of either a dead historical person or celebrity or a mythical or fictional person like Poseidon the god of the sea or something like that but don't look for that one because we haven't put it on there yet <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, next well, if you tune in next week we'll have put James's one on there but in the meantime uh, there are about five or six yes yeah. so please give him a listen and if you like him give him a, a like we'll actually go straight into the episode now because Hi. this is a classic episode uh, it may go into one of our it, it, I think it's a top five contender this one could be it's called Tentacles of Doom and we have discussed the naming conventions of titles of Father Ted episodes and that they're very they're very nondescript and this one is very descript but doesn't seem to mean anything doesn't seem to mean anything what do, what do we think? Why is it called Tentacles of Doom? I assumed it was some kind of like reference to some kind of medieval religious thing I, from like a painting by Bosch or somebody like that. I mean, it's like so, some religious. It's got to be. I mean, it's a religious. These, these guys are priests, yeah. Ted and Doom. Yeah. And yeah. It's got to be some sort of old. Well, well that's what I. That's what I hell thought. Hell on fire and brimstone and some some demonic figure or something. Pain and blood and guts and. Well, the only thing I could I could even think of is. Um, the HP Lovecraft character, what do you call him? The the big thing with the tentacles? Octopus. Mm? No, no. <laughs> Crack- Octopus. Squid. Kraken's Kraken. good. Kraken's Kraken. good. It could be a Kraken. I think it's a different episode Cthulhu. where... Uh... Cthulhu. 
I think it's a different episode. It's not this one where Bishop Brendan says, ah, the Kraken awakes, and he's referring to Father Jack, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a different one. It's not this one. Is it? Well, this is pretty out there. What, what do you think of this? In the episode, when, when Dougal suggests they watch Aliens, maybe that was originally Tentacles of Doom, and they changed it in the script, but liked the title Tentacles of Doom. It might be one... We should ask... Um, Robin, if he's done a, an angry review of a film called <laughs> Tentacles, Tentacles of, of Doom. Doom. Well, I googled it, and all that came up was uh, references to this episode. Yeah, it, it so, doesn't seem to be a, a, a like, stock title or anything like that. It, yeah, it, do, it does sound like something that would be a yeah a stock title. Yeah. yeah, Roger Corman or a sci-fi, uh, yeah. Edward or serial something. sci-fi or the, something. The best I can think is that the 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 bishops are the tentacles and you know if they screw this up it could go very badly for them and, that's and they're, the, they're, the te- they're the tentacles that, well that's as good a theory as anything I'm sure I'm sure if I had to listen to DVD commentary they'd probably there's a DVD oh, commentary oh I have yeah. I, I, I mean, don't have the DVDs I've just been watching them on all four I had to yeah. listen I've gone beyond the fucking call of duty for this I tell you because I <laughs> heard the episode properly a few nights ago um, which I was very happy to do because it is probably my favourite right. episode of Father Ted mm. I could narrow it down to this or one other, I reckon. Um, Don't keep us in suspense. Okay, well, it's the, it's a later... The other one that I... I could definitely say it's one of these two, and the other one is a later one with a weird jumper cake man who comes oh, to... Yes. Oh, that's... Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Visit so, Mrs. Doyle. So he's, he's based on a character. Yeah. He's based on yeah. an actual person, Daniel O'Donnell. Um, uh, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like a really twee singer, and he's just loved, beloved by grannies. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, well, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think if you put a gun to my head, I'd say probably this one because this episode Tentacles of Doom because it's got my favourite like individual just moment ever in Father Ted when the really elderly really frail priest is saying <laughs> explaining he's got a heart condition and are you alright your grace? Uh, yes I, 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 I had a minor heart attack last year I have to take it easy I got a bit of a fright there <laughs> right <laughs> it's not a problem but if you could uh, just give us a bit of a warning when you're going to do anything sudden ah! <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> sorry Ted I just remembered aliens is on after the news before he can even get to the end of his <laughs> sentence like Dougal like <laughs> physically leaps into like the sort of frame of like your your TV screen of like the scene you can see because yeah. you can't and screaming at the top of his voice. Yeah, don't make any sudden noises and then Dougal is just shouts in his face because of course Aliens is on TV that night yeah. after the news. That's uh, probably my that's probably my favourite bit as well actually. And every, I know everybody picks up on the line uh, bishops love sci-fi, which is yeah. very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like the line. Come on, let's let's all have a big lads night. In. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny to me. See, Dougal loves just hanging out with the lads. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think he, he loves the whole idea of just this ensconced little bubble that they have. Mm. Of we can do whatever we want, and we've got a few duties on Sunday mornings to say mass and say a few funerals. Yeah, and the rest of the time he, he has the kind of of contentness that that would in principle come from being a good priest. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so unfortunately, Ted really the, doesn't. No, no. <laughs> so Ted, Ted's got a sort of. Uh, He's more self-aware than that, you see. He realises how terrible the situation is, whereas yeah. Dougal's just like, oh, this is class. Every so often we get a new set of priests, and <laughs> sometimes they're jackasses, and sometimes they're a great crack. Dougal and Ted, they seem to have a real love for sci-fi movies, because we have been getting a list together uh, okay. of different sci-fi movies they've been referencing. So Aliens, not Alien, I noticed. No, that's true. Not, yeah, not, Aliens. It was, the, it was the sequel by, uh, not Michael Bay, what do you call him, James Cameron. Yeah, that was his, that was his big uh, breakout. And he went on to do Titanic, of course, and Avatar. Yep. 
but yeah, there's been there's been a few like is Jaws two when they were doing the the charades when Jack was dead. Not not Jaws one. It's a, it's it's a, a different shark. Yeah. It's a different, different, different shark. Yeah. Very different film, Ted. <laughs> yeah. <a> very. Different... <laughs> the episode opens with Dougal reading Gary Lineker's book of ghost stories. Now, Gary Lineker clearly has a multi-talented persona because not only is he a, the BBC's prime sports presenter uh, on the golf and the football, uh, I think he used to play a bit of football as well. Do you know well, anything I know about nothing that? You're, about... you're asking the wrong man. Yeah, um, I know nothing about football, but I've heard. I know. I knew that. So he must be pretty famous. Yeah, so he must. He must I have done all right for himself. Yeah, and all I know is he, he's he's a famous uh, crisp salesman and, and yeah, adulterer. Yeah. And uh, uh, adulterer, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and now to add to that CV, a paranormal author of the three yeah that's, that's a great CV to be able to, to pluck out at any time yeah. like you know yeah. it's really nice I like love the open to the show because when we open we see Dougal reading Gary Lineker's book of ghost stories which is very funny but then it's, it's not so easy to see but Ted is reading Secret Love which is the story of Michael Cleary, the the, the yeah. priest, the singing the singing priest who um, had a couple of kids with his housekeeper, and so that's the book that Ted is reading. I think that's very funny too. I enjoyed watching the episode the other day. I hadn't seen it for a long time, but then last night I tried tried it with the DVD commentary as well, which is like um, brings up why it's quite nice to have a conversation because there's a commentary with only Graham Linehan on his own, and he's just like <laughs> it's kind of him being like really tough on himself. Oh, was <laughs> it? We should have done this differently, and this oh god, but he mentioned something about this this book at the beginning. Oh, okay. Well, I, I did um, listen to DVD commentary of Big Train back in the day, uh, his sketch show that he did, and basically all it was was anytime there was a female actor came on screen, he'd be like, oh, that's, that's Julia, we didn't use her half enough. Like, God damn it, yeah, why yeah. didn't I use her? We had all these great talented actresses, we just went to it. Man. Like, that's all it was for most of it, and just just what he did wrong. It's like, Jesus Christ, Graham, take, take your praise. <laughs> I think maybe this one's a little bit more up and down. There's a few points where he congratulates himself and the rest of them but there's a lot of self-flagellation as well going yeah. on and him say oh the scene where the water comes out of the sewer is too obvious and you know just he's obsessed with the kind of mechanics mm. of it I think I get the impression that like Arthur Matthews was more like the sort of jokes man and Lynn Han was more like the sort of mechanical plot yeah do, structure do everything by the by the format sort of yeah. thing that's the impression maybe that's a bit like black and white but well, we, we don't know. We're purely speculating from a fan's point of view. Hence the podcast. <laughs> you, know, you know, in 20 years' time, when they dig this up from for the 40th anniversary, and they'll be like, look, look at what the fans thought at the time. And they can correct us or, or otherwise. I have, I've gotten in touch with them on Twitter, but he never responded. So Typical. It's, that's, yeah, he's, it's he's responded to me a few times. Really? Yeah. Then what, what kind of stuff did he say? Uh, answering the questions I asked. Oh, okay. Right. Wasn't, they, about, wasn't about Father Ted. Were they bondage related? No, no, they were. <laughs> they're mostly about the business of comedy writing, and uh, a couple of uh, things that I'd, I'd remember he'd said in an interview, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember what it was. So I asked what it was. He yeah. told me. Well, you're gonna have to dig them out then and post them on the Facebook yeah, page. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Ted and Dougal both have ghost stories. Have you ever seen or encountered ghosts? As as a matter of fact, yes, I have. When I when I was very very young, so so young that you don't even you, you know you don't have a a mind that perceives the difference between what should be and what shouldn't be. You know, you, you, if you see a ghost at that age, it, it's not scary because you don't think that you shouldn't see a ghost. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. Yes. So yeah. I, I well, I didn't see a ghost. I saw a, I saw a woman wearing an old fashioned dress. Okay, that's like what a, I saw. Like a sort of Mrs. Haversham sort of number. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you know. Um, but she didn't. It didn't look ethereal or scary or anything like that. So all I saw was a woman in a dress in in an old back garden. And I said to my mum, "Who's that woman?" And she said, "What woman?" And there you and there you go. Uh. And in the house I live at the moment, because um, 
weirdly, I live on a house that was built over the morgue where uh, all of Jack the Ripper's victims would have been brought and, and hundreds of other people. So right. there's, I haven't actually seen a ghost like in front of my face, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. Ghostly um, goings on. Yeah, it happens every day, sort of thing. You start you start becoming convinced. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I went to France during France '98 with my mum and my aunt, and we were staying because it was the tournament was on, and they hadn't realised this. We were having real trouble finding places to stay, and we hadn't pre-booked or anything. The way we do holidays is just to sort of land there and deal with stuff. Yep. So we ended up around. Not relaxing. No, no. <coughs> keeps everyone on their toes, you know what I mean? That's what you want from a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we ended up on train station hotel near Gare which is like the really sort of sleazy end of Paris. And uh, write that down when I go. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this really old building with like, you know them elevator doors that you have to sort of yep. cages yeah, yeah. that you have Love to open them. and stuff. And, yep. uh, but that barely worked, so you nearly got up quicker just by taking the stairs and everything. But anyway, we were sleeping and my mum and my aunt were, were drinking away. And uh, apparently I woke up in the middle, and I vaguely remember this, and I just kept tugging at the blankets at the bottom of the bed, and they turned around and said, James, what are you doing? Yeah. And I said, somebody's tugging the blankets. He goes, who's tugging them? That boy there, and I was pointing directly at the end of the bed. Dude, that's scary. And apparently my mum couldn't sleep for the rest of like the holiday. Like, totally, <laughs> totally believable. And I do have a vague re- a recollection of seeing like the sort of the figure of somebody like just tugging away at my blankets. And then about six months later, Halloween, she was watching This Morning with Richard and Judy, <laughs> and uh, they were mentioning how station hotels have a lot of people just come there and uh, because it's such a lonely desolate place right. there's a lot of suicides and stuff yeah it's pretty yeah. weird man yeah so it's pretty weird but having said all that I don't believe in ghosts anymore so okay do you, I, don't, do you... I don't believe in ghosts either it doesn't It doesn't really it doesn't really affect your it, but it's still a good story though isn't it yeah I tell you what, I, I keep things secret from my girlfriend that I f- find an experience in the house because if she knew all of them we'd have to move Oh, okay. Like, seriously, there's, there's weird stuff. Bear in mind, this podcast is going to be basically public just before you go any further and your yeah, that's descriptions true. of, like... Yeah. What... I, won't, I, won't, I won't say what it was, but lots... There's, there's stuff, nothing like blood dripping down the walls and get out, because then you'd make a fortune, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd just write yeah, the you paper and they'd come and have a look. Make that, make that a museum tour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but weird, weird little things, like things going missing and, and puddles of water and stuff. I know it doesn't sound scary, but, but any, when anything all... inexplicable... Yeah, is weird. It all adds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To a greater thing. It all adds. Uh, but to bring it back to sort of vaguely, Father Ted, my RE teacher balked at the idea of even the mention of ghosts. So somebody asked him, "Did he believe in ghosts?" Or straight out asked him, and he goes, <laughs> "Ghosts." All the while he's preaching to us about a higher power and all this, and it's right. like, well, how can you believe that in blind faith and not you, believe in ghosts? So how can you believe in the thing explicitly called the Holy Ghost? I mean, is that, is that, is that yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Is that a different? thing is that it's a different type of ghost but if it's the only one that you're allowed to believe in then it's not so much the holy ghost it's just the the ghost the ghost no more holy or less <laughs> holy than any other ghost if because there aren't any others well exactly yeah so i don't know something's wrong somewhere i just, I just remember that really sticking in my craw when when <laughs> his reaction to that to that question but <laughs> anyway to get back to ted then uh, so, so they go to the bathroom, uh, and the bathroom's looking uh, sultrily pink today. But uh, yeah, love the, the bathroom. Any shot, any shot of the seventies bathroom is is funny. It's, it's it is you know it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's almost like neon glow. Yeah, the, I'm, the I, I would I would decorate my own bathroom like that just to, just as a nod to people who used my toilet who liked Father Ted. Yeah, yeah. I'll go around to your house someday and I'll expect <laughs> no, to have, have, a, have, a good, yeah. have a good long piss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But they can't get the toilet to flush and uh, Ted tries to look down to see what's going on. And when <laughs> Google tries it, the toilet does flush. Now, 
This is, <laughs> Ted, Ted had some eyes on him. He was ready to take him outside yeah. and yeah. level him. <laughs> it's, good, it's good acting. Yeah, he, he genuinely does look furious. Yeah. Which, you know, for a comedian, it's good. It's good. He, he, you know. he, he plays the part perfectly. He's brilliant. And then they find out what the problem is. is Jack has been stashing bottles of Jack yep. in the toilet. It's probably uh, messing around with the pressure of the flush. But uh, whenever Jack's using it, you need to get that stuff away as hard and as fast as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to get it as far away as you can. Unfortunately for Ted, Sierra Leone, which is where he hopes it goes, just seems to be at the end of their garden. <laughs> so they have, they've got to have a bit of a plumbing, a plumbing problem and it will come back to haunt them. Now, on the previous episode, Vince had mentioned that the setup was very obvious. You knew it was going to come back to somebody. This one wasn't quite so obvious as to who that somebody was. I, I didn't think so. I didn't think it was obvious. Not not this one, but remember last week when it's Tom, crazy. yeah, sewage had, tanker, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. It. right, right, right. Because uh, as, as you mentioned in your notes here, sewage is funny. Fire is funny. Sewage is funny. Yes, Graham Linehan likes likes both of those, yeah. and <laughs> rightly so. Well, I didn't. I forgot that there were two big sewage jokes two episodes in a row. It, it wasn't quite two episodes in a row. I think it was uh, the first. So it was the one before the last okay. one. It's okay. just the last podcast because I'm released. The... Still a lot of fast flowing sewage. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you saw that you saw that the the geezer of sewage was going to come out, and you yep. knew somebody was going to get you know victimized by it. Yep. But you like it was a genuine surprise I, I, when it I, was. I, what he's on about? Sorry, I I didn't necessarily think that because that someone was necessarily going to get hit by it because it because it's visually funny, because it's funny for somebody to flush a toilet and for them to think they fixed it, but for it to have gone so wrong. Honestly, the first time I saw it, I I did not assume. Okay, yeah. we're going to see that I again. Don't, I don't necessarily. I don't think I did. I mean, this is you know Linehan being extremely harsh on himself in the commentary. That's the bit he's when that bit comes up and he's like, oh, it's too obvious. It's too much of a way. You think, well, I mean, even if it was, I think we'd forgive it in this episode, which is a really kind of funny and like kind of like the whole the plot is a joke. Not yeah, just, not just mm. the dialogue, but the whole plot is a joke as well. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the biggest. It doesn't bother me, you know. No, it doesn't bother me either. But uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, like, as you say, they are particularly hard on themselves. But when, like, when were you watching Father Ted? Like, were you watching as kids? Oh God, I can't remember. It must have been since since being being a kid, yeah. Because it, I've, I can't remember not watching Father Ted. It <clears> must. I definitely have a very specific memory of. I would have been about uh, twelve, and you know, when you're that age, you don't get on with your parents that well. Yeah, so it's okay now. But it's not just my mum and me. And we're watching TV, and I was sort of flicking through, and I said, "Oh, Father Ted, this is good." And and she said, "Oh, I don't want to watch Father Ted." And I and I said, "Well, have you ever seen it?" She said, "No, I just I don't think it'd be my thing." And it was uh, it was is it called Hell where they go on the on the camp on the, the camp, caravan trip? Yeah, and it was that one. one. And and we were both sat there in hysterics for the whole thing because obviously it's funny it's funny when you have more people to laugh. Yes, yeah. And so I do remember that that she thought oh, this isn't for me, but ended up I think literally crying. I think a lot of people would have the same reaction. They assume it's not for them. Mm. Uh, but if they watched it, they'd probably find themselves laughing a lot more than they would when they watch what they think is their favourite show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I remember the TV listings were like, perhaps not quite as far as off-putting, but just like, they just failed. Like, because I can remember in whatever, I think it was Radio Times that my mum used to buy every week when I was, you know, a youth. And um, <laughs> they listed it like, it could have been anything, it could have been any old rubbish 70s sitcom. It was just like, these three priests live together and oh, they're so mismatched, the three of them, one of them's old and drunk. And you just think, well, it's just another sitcom. Yeah. Just, you'd had, you had to actually, for whatever re- either for whatever reason you decided to tune in or you were channel hopping and landing it and find it was a completely different, a completely new sense of humour at the time. Yeah. Mm. Like, well, there's really anarchic and, I mean, 
the reason it's so popular like it it's popular here but in Ireland it's like it's gone way beyond popular it's like it is just now a piece of Irish artifact mm-hmm. an artifact of Irish art now uh, just because of the time it was coming in uh, the time it was happening like Ireland was actually starting to get self-confident with yep. itself and Irish yep. culture and everything and the fact that it was brilliant and there's yep. jokes in here uh, I will bring a couple up that you might not get because they're specifically two Irish people like I think people sort of dismiss it because it is because it the production values are very low. Mm. Well, they're not not the production values, but the presence of the production values. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's that's true of a lot of great sitcoms, though. But the, yeah, you're right, though. You, yeah, if you just look at it for five seconds, you might get that impression definitely. Well, I mean, if you look at Miranda or something, like I'd rather not. Well, <laughs> but like the, the production value, they clearly got very good, you know, production values on that, mm. and it's easier for somebody who's not necessarily into comedy, like wouldn't call themselves a comedy fan. Yeah. They would flick over and they would stop. And I, w- I would chuckle. recommend to any non-comedy fan they watch that show definitely. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a few board games. Uh, again, they've, they've amassed quite a collection of board games already, and we've got new good additions here. Uh, we've got chess and buckaroo. buckaroo chess yeah. or buckaroo? Yeah, yeah. You can't, you which can't one? Have, you can't have both this year <laughs> in the world. Someone's got very strict rules in this in this yeah. parochial <laughs> house. It's like, you know, chess or buckaroo. Well, what would you suggest then? Using the the knight and the bishop onto onto the horse to see what can actually what can actually make it buck first? Do you ever play? I think buckaroo? you could play one then the other. You, you could, could warm do... up. You could warm up with buckaroo and then get into the like sort chess, of... bu- like chess boxing. And yeah. Then get into the buckaroo sort of... chess. Buckaroo chess. Slightly yeah. more demanding world of chess afterwards. Well, how long does the game of buckaroo last? Is it, it... Well, it depends how young you are. <clears throat> as in... Depends how sort of steady your hand is. I have I have played it as a kid, not not in quite a while. I remember I was bad at it and never never beat my parents. So what actually triggers the buckler then? <laughs> it's a certain. Um, That's it's, the point. You don't know, do you? It's a certain weight, and um, the objects will will go over that weight. And then it's just a matter of time. It's just or a matter of like oh, which okay. one you put on. Yeah, I think that's how it works. I, I don't think it's particularly high tech. Well, it was popular, and you yeah. know it did pass an hour or so for entertainment at that time. Uh, did you ever play chess? I, I play chess now, yeah. Do you? I do, yeah. I must, must give you a game. I was, I represented my school at Northern Ireland level in chess. You'll beat me. Uh, I probably won't <laughs> because uh, we went all the way up to Belfast, which was pretty glamorous for me back in the day. I was I was about 11. Basically, we had this lunchtime from from my brother, my school in Noma. So we had this lunchtime competition. So we only had maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So instead of actually being a full game of chess, it was like a points-based system. So a queen would be worth nine points and a bishop would be worth yep, four yeah. points, that sort of way. Uh, so I, I was just very aggressive and got in amongst the pawns and the bishops and just like cleaned house on one side and then just killed the queen and always won. And when I went up to Belfast, it was actual rules, and I got killed by the three uh, the three move checkmate, which I'd never Ooh, seen before. I didn't that. know there were like different versions of the rules for chess. I, I, thought... I, I think that was just uh, that was just a teacher had made that just yeah. to make a fit. No, within if, the, if you if the you've got like a set time limit, you can either you can either play what's called blitz, so you play very quick, and if you run out of time, then you lose. Or you can play to a set time, and then the player who's got the the, the pieces worth the most points on the board wins. Oh, I was right. useless at chess. I got taught. And there's also my dad, but... there's Fisher chess, invented Fisher. by Bobby how Fisher. You, how are you spelling Fisher? With with a, a C. C-H. With I a thought C- you meant there was like a huge chasm <laughs> yeah. down the middle of the board, and if the pieces yeah, that, that, sounds, like that sounds like a brilliant game fell down it. But no, and there the you have your line of pawns, but all of your your main pieces are in a random order. So they're not. So you're two rooks beside orders. each other or something. They could, or? They could be. They, it's randomly. It's randomly worked so, out at the beginning of the game, and you mirror each other, so you both have the same random assortment. So you can't have any book learning. You can't have any memorized strategies. Ah, okay. So it's, a, it's a much purer, harder form of chess. 
Okay, yeah, so you can't just like have an opening that is always that works it? for no, you? No, because uh, the players are in different places every time. I hate it. It's really hard. So is that how you play then? You, you no, just... I hate it. No, sometimes sometimes you know, I, I play a game, but it's no, I need the book then. Definitely. Nice, nice. Well, I'll try and give you a game. I'll, I'll, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not great, but uh, and I haven't played in years, so you'll probably will destroy me. But it'd be yeah. nice to be educated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we get on to speak, speak about uh, the Holy Stone of Clon record then. Now, it has actually been mentioned before in the show, which uh, I only noticed when I was going back through the episodes. It was mentioned in the last episode of season one that it was actually brought down from, it was moved from Fermanagh, which is a place in Northern Ireland, down to the island because it wasn't doing enough business in Fermanagh. <laughs> oh, that rings a bell, yeah. 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 <laughs> but now that it's uh, now it's been upgraded to a Class 2 Relic, they've uh, they've doubled the price on it, so it went from £10 per yeah. review and up to £20. So I wonder how much it was costing in Fermanagh uh, when they were actually up there. Good question. I thought there was something up at the Holy Stone, all right. Wasn't someone cured there? No, someone was lured there. <laughs> Paddy Short. And then those fellas started to beat him with the sticks. <laughs> oh, that was it, yeah. So, that I mean, that's that's really pushing... And they they do this a lot, pushing the bounds of how stupid Dougal can be, and it and it be believable. Well, this episode <laughs> that's nowhere near the the most yeah. the strongest example of that, though, is it? I mean, that's no, just it, a sort of miss. He could have misheard one word in yeah, his life. No, I know? guess I guess you're right. I, mean, yeah, I was about to say this episode is actually a bit more uh, a bit tamer on him and his uh, in his mental capacity because a lot of it you could you could sort of justify as saying maybe he's just got a very odd form of dyslexia. Where he just mixes mm. stuff up in his head or something. Yeah, but that would that would take a lot of the comedy out of it, wouldn't it? It would. It would. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of class one relics now. To get a class one relic is really really hard. You right. have to you have to either do time travel or reincarnation or uh, you know cloning dinosaurs or something. Very so rare. basically, the only uh, class one relic I could think of was Stargate. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Yeah, I don't. I, I is this is this a real system that the Catholic Church has? I, I mean, I, I haven't looked it up. Uh, I, d- I don't know. I never what is thought... the Catholic Church's position on cloning dinosaurs? Do they think it's a good <laughs> or, a, or a bad thing? Uh, I, they don't like cloning. Or, no, they yeah, cloning anything in general. Yeah, yeah no. Do you, not have, do you have to have one dinosaur to start with? Or is it cloning it from just DNA? As or... I understand, you can you can mix it with frog DNA. Um, from a mosquito that's yeah, in the amber yeah, of a tree. Mosqui- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's then, why the Catholic Church is against that, because that's like meddling with nature. You're yeah. mixing the species. Yep. Playing, playing with God. If it was one dinosaur to start with, and then... Bang! You got a second one by cloning. I think the Catholic Church would be a lot more tolerant. Yeah, I'm but guessing. I'm they guessing. they, they didn't like, like Dolly the sheep. So as okay. far as I remember, so the dinosaurs probably yeah. out as well. I know within the last couple of years they've come out and said, "Oh, by the way, if it turns out that aliens are real, that's that's completely fine and doesn't doesn't change the belief structure in any way. We we can just cope with that." They do have a they do have a habit of that. Mm. You know, there just is before stuff actually comes out. Yeah. Like there's this, you know, the infallibility of popes, which basically means the pope, whatever the pope says, is yep. God's law. Yep. Recently, we've had three popes in very quick succession there, and one of them decided that uh, limbo was no longer a thing. Yeah. Limbo, which is the state you're in between death and crossing over, not even to purgatory. You're not even at purgatory yet. You're yep. you're at the sort of the sort of half junction starting. Yeah. Well, if you're in it at the point where it gets cancelled by the Pope, though, I mean, uh, you you're get in imme- trouble. immediate you're upgrade to f- yeah to first class. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. paying full price yeah. on day of travel, sort of thing. But it just means that, like, so all those people have wasted their prayers now, getting people out of limbo. Like they could have done so much more with that. You know, you only have so much credit, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and the people have been wasting it getting people out of limbo. Yep, I did get told that uni. We got told in a lecture or something that the 
like the Pope at some point, it would have been a few Popes ago, I guess, he endorsed like Darwinism and evolution and natural selection and said that was right, which yeah. previously... They probably would have denied it, they, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Galileo had a real difficult time with yeah. the Catholic Church for daring to suggest that they, the Earth went around the sun yeah. and not the other way about. So, you know, they, they do have a history of... Giordano Bruno went even further what and he said think? not only is all of that true, but there's there's countless Earth-like planets in the universe, many of which will have intelligent life just like us, and they burned him alive. And now they've said, oh, yeah, that's fine if it turns out to be true. Well, it's a sort of easy thing to say because it's quite likely to happen by the law of averages. <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, it's kind of like a fairly sort of, yeah, you know... You still have to be the first he, person to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. What's his name, sorry? Giordano Bruno. I haven't actually he did other it. stuff as well um, that they didn't like, like uh, translating Bibles and, and teaching people how to read them. They weren't a fan of that at the time either. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. see, in that case, then, they were justified, so... Yeah, well, yeah, they're yeah. coming, clearly. The, the heretic who was actually teaching the, the, the good book? <laughs> Freak. Hmm. We get another example of uh, Dougal not quite being on board with uh, the whole God thing. In fact, this whole episode <laughs> yeah. is just about, you know, the the message and how it doesn't really compute when you actually sit down and think about it yeah like and, and it, they've got different uh, different ways of, of showing that obviously the most obvious one is Dougal actually converting one of the bishops yeah so father do you ever have any doubts about the religious life is your faith ever tested any doubts you've been having about any aspects of belief well you know the way God made us all right and uh, he's looking down at us from heaven and everything uh huh and then his son came down and saved everyone and all that. Yes. And when we die, we're all going to go to heaven. Yes. What about it? Well, that's the bit I've trouble with. <laughs> you want to bring up the, the fire is funny, because Jack Head goes on fire. So smoking is a very dangerous habit. True. And especially if you've got uh, wild... Uh, scraggly hair like Jack. Well, he's he's clearly got a different hairpiece for that particular it burning scene, hasn't v- it? It very does obvious. jump out. But that's that's you know it's forgivable because it's on fire. But yeah, fire. I think fire is not only fire. Fi- firing improves whatever work of art you have. If you've got a moving pictures, fire is good. Fire in the same way that you know vast quantities of of sewage, it just makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in fire, you you were mentioning the IT crowd. There's fire in that. I, I can't remember if there's two episodes, but there's definitely one. Where um, the screensaver? Oh, I think no. it's a screensaver. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the one where he's talking about Centre Parks. Um, his girlfriend was in a fire at Centre Parks, and he's got the Centre Parks diorama on his desk, and he's trying, he's trying to work. You know, how can there be a fire at Centre Parks? Right. <laughs> and I've, I've got a memory of Moss saying four. Oh no, I mean five. No, I mean fire. Which, <laughs> you know, that's that's really out there. But yeah, fires. I think fires fire improves things, and you don't see it that often in sitcoms. You don't because it's. It's a production nightmare, basically fire. Because and that was the '90s. You're talking about, this yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is 20 years ago. This episode of Father Ted. It was probably on TV. '96 sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's 20 years ago. I mean, now they probably just wouldn't. Well, I suppose the IT crowd's more recent. Did they actually have a fire in the IT crowd? There's, yeah, there's fire. There's real fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, you you can do it. I mean, it's a production nightmare. You have to have like little gas pipes that just have little. Uh, holes for to spurt gas through, and then you like the one around the back of my oven. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's that's how they, so that's how they, they created. It. But it is you know getting insurance for it, getting everything fireproofed. You know if there is actual kindling and stuff. Mm. But putting it on on Jack's head, that was a serious fucking uh, big stunt. It was it was in shot for quite a while as well. Yeah, it's, it's not just a couple of seconds. He has to walk over and sit down, and yeah, it's 
and that was only five years after Terminator when somebody was walking through <laughs> walking through fire. Yeah, they they did actually aim for these big stunts because a couple of people have gone through windows and stuff, and yep. it it is very hard to recreate that sort of stuff. So you know, they, I, I'm still impressed by by Father Ted or presumably the stunt double actually getting run over. I've it, never seen somebody actually get run yeah, over yeah. for a joke. Well, the I uh, mean that's really good. Ugly naked guys, we called them uh, at the campsite in in hell. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, holding on to the holding front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was that would be very hard to that would be very hard to do in the very first episode as well. The bench uh, oh, that the gets air. lifted up. Yep. But yeah, they, they did have these big stunts, and they couldn't. You know, if it was on a big budget production, they would have a lot more safety harnesses and stuff, which mm. you couldn't really see on these uh, stunts. So they're just, you know, winging it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I think they they're all I think everybody involved in it was was a comedy person in one way or another. And the most important question is, is this funny? Is, can we make it funnier? You know, yeah. and if it is, then you do it. Uh, Dougal has new bedwear. Man and Skeletor. Uh, oh, no, well, I meant I meant the T-shirt. But what oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, you would, it's a priest thing, you wouldn't understand. That's right, yeah. yeah that's funny. What's the human? Oh, that's the, that's the actual... The bedspread he has, yeah. He always, he always like has out children. of date at the time, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have been, yeah, that would have been about... 12 years after but from when, when he was a when child. he was a kid yeah, yeah he would have carried on with it yeah so maybe maybe that's what arrested his development is just when he watched He-Man he couldn't go any further was uh, was Orson Welles in He-Man as well <laughs> no it was Transformers sorry should have been if he wasn't but... yeah he should have been playing who though Skeletor I don't know who would he who would it, Orson Welles be I can't actually remember He-Man he, I genuinely switched away from He-Man I find He-Man shy I, I must say I have a distinct memory of as a kid watching it once and thinking this is this is terrible this is awful, I'm yeah. not watching this and my cousin who lived in, in London he was about 7 or 8 years older than me he was he was sort of my window into sort of nerd culture and geek culture and everything like he first taught me you know about Lego and Batman and everything and he loved it so I thought oh he likes it it must be good and I just could not get on board with it whereas Batman the animated series mm. I still love I still watch on Amazon Prime like so but Dougal's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. But is that T-shirt, that is a priest thing, you wouldn't understand. Is that a reference to a famous T-shirt? Well, that, It sounds like it would be. That was, uh, do you remember I said a couple of minutes ago that there's little things in the theme of the episode is right. that, uh, you know, nobody really understands any of this if yeah. you actually sit down. So, you know, that's a good that's a good way of, like, just getting out of... Uh, that's, that's a sort of a different way of saying that's an ecumenical matter. Right. It's a priest thing you wouldn't understand. That's I assume... True. I don't know if it was actually a real T-shirt, but I'm sure there was at the time... It's a girl thing you wouldn't yeah, understand. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably. And he has a Bjork poster in the background. Did didn't, you notice? Did not notice that. Yeah, I didn't. Would not put. Uh, would not peg Dougal as a Bjork fan. This is one of the great things though about about shows like this and other good comedies. It, it, you, they have such a high replay value. Yeah. And every time you'll get something. You'll spot you'll, the little. It won't be that you're laughing again at the same joke because it's very funny. You'll actually be getting a new joke. A new like, joke. Years yeah. after it, and you, you'll think, "How did I miss that?" Uh, well, along with Bjork, there was J.R. Ewing. Uh, you know, I shot JR, yep. so it's not just Tom who's a fan of Dallas. And then in a different scene, just beside the window, there was a picture of John Wayne. Um, now, John Wayne, I, I can't actually explain that one. When John Wayne made The Quiet Man, it's one of his sort of lesser known films, but okay. it's like, uh, again, it's part of the Irish canon now, and he's pretty much an honorary Irishman. Okay. And like every Irish family has a copy of The Quiet Man, possibly even two or three. So that's why he would have been there, I think. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine Dougal being a Bjork fan. He's a Tina Turner fan. And he's a he's a karma chameleon fan. Doesn't really sit well with you know wheel noises and eth- ethereal Icelandic vocalists. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. They should cut that joke in future runs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just have a hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah. 
just just have a blur like just yeah. where the poster was exactly I mean I can imagine it it coming in as a verbal joke with with do was saying I was just enjoying a bit of the old Bjork Ted yeah but it's strange <laughs> to have it as a visual joke yeah yeah I mean well Bjork was pretty much at her career peak sort of commercially at that point because I think that was the time that it's old so quiet yeah, that was quite a big oh, that Christmas right. time song wasn't it yeah big, was it Christmas number one or, or, or did probably well probably yeah did well around de, like December de, de. I'll have to get a sample on the uh, on the podcast but I probably won't be able to pay for it Bjorg <laughs> uh, seems cool she'll be alright yeah she, she'll be fine she'll yeah. just wear another swan dress to the Oscars or something it'll be cool do go overreact around bishops or Ted seems to think so because I'll stay around you all the time just in case so you don't say anything to them that you're not supposed to say to them like what <laughs> like what you said to Bishop Lindsay when he asked me where I was when Kennedy was shot. Oh yeah. I mean you overreacted slightly there. He wasn't accusing me of anything. He wasn't accusing right. him of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dak, I mean, if there's one low point in this episode, I mean, because Todd the Ted is just always so full of like original and like mad and you know idiosyncratic gags that no other show would have. You kind of think that sh- that was going to turn up in some sitcom sometime. That line, you kind of think Father Ted could do a bit better than that, maybe. Yeah, I, I, that that might that is probably the weakest joke of the show. I, it's I, not like probably. a terrible joke. Yeah, it's, it's just fine. Like... It's fine, but compared to the, compared to how brilliant it normally is, it is it is quite medium. I actually like that one. Yeah, it's uh, a fine joke. Yeah. It's just I've heard you hear it at other places, don't you? Uh, well, I'd, I'd never, I genuinely hadn't heard it. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I actually didn't remember it either because I didn't actually. Uh, I haven't seen this episode in years, and I didn't. I must have not just not got the joke, like he wasn't accusing me of anything. Like where were you? Uh, but yeah, I, I was having enough with that one. It's a, it's a fine joke. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a joke. No, I'm not saying it's really bad. I'm just saying it's like not as good some as... comedy writer or other was gonna stumble across that gag one day. It's yeah, not, it's not one of these ones that only in Father Ted would you get that. Which kind of what's so great about Father Ted is. That, see that that's hmm. the standard of filler that Father yeah, Ted yeah, has. It's this kind is of the filler, filler material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we have the, our second appearance by Larry Duff. Now, you have a few little uh, trivia. We have a few, you have a few trivia things about uh, Larry Duff. But uh, this one, he was involved in a knife throwing, and he had set his, his beep to be extra loud. I'll try and reach Larry on his mobile. He's got a new one with an extra loud bleep. Almighty, why does he have a mobile if he never picks it up? Yeah. Did you think the knife thrower looked like Jesse the Body Ventura? Now that you mention it, I was trying to put my finger on who he looks like. That's and yes, remarkably so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who Jesse? He's a famous wrestler, uh, mayor, and conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he's mayor. Po- yeah, he's a politician. Like, yeah, yeah he... politician, conspiracy theorist, and an ex wrestler. I think he got into a state senate or something. He was actually quite a high. Yeah, something like something like, something yeah. like I don't. I, I don't want to, you know, undersell him or anything. If you're listening, Mr. Ventura. Yeah, come on to the show if you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you had a few uh, trivia facts about Larry Duff then. Yeah, believe. I mean, th- I couldn't believe this when I when I when I saw it. Larry Duff appears in more episodes than any other recurring character. Yeah. O- outside of the, the fall of living the house, he's in the most episodes, which is eight. Eight episodes. Yeah. And see, the thing is, he only first showed up in the f- series two, episode one. So he wasn't, right. he wasn't even in the first series. So the frequency of his appearances were like, you know, yeah. there must have been like machine gun fire or something. Because if he's in it that much. Now, I was surprised. Uh, I remember saying this to Vince that uh, 
John and Mary didn't actually show up that much. And they appeared in the first three episodes. Right. And they only have one more appearance now to come. And I can't remember where it is, but I know what yep. what they're doing. I love them, though. They're, I find them <laughs> probably the, of all the sort of minor bit parts that don't have a lot to do with the plot. And they come in like Larry Duffin. Um, uh, who else do you get? Um, you can't say Bishop Brennan because he's like a proper major character. Well, he, he's yeah. almost an, an Tom, antagonist. Maybe? Tom, yeah. the weird psycho guy. Yeah, yeah. There's a few who come in, but I love John, John and Mary, even though it is very sick joke about yeah. this unhappy I, marriage I, I think it speaks to something common in both in both english people and irish people this this uh, different characters we have and the need to be respectable uh, yeah you know with, especially with, in front of a priest it would have been yeah exactly yeah, the, the, our, our authority figures might be different but the emotion is the same but they i mean like you've been talking before on this on the previous episodes about different styles or different types of humour but they get proper fucking nasty those two <laughs> yeah, it's, it's there's one getting... where um, <laughs> Mary says John has a face like a pair of tits <laughs> <laughs> at least that's one pair between us <laughs> it's like proper nasty <laughs> yeah it's like it's vicious like uh, but a lot of people would have recognised that that you know I recognise it from home yeah it's, the whole family is at each other's throats but as soon as yeah. somebody's at the door it's like <gasps> <laughs> we're, in, uh, we're a lovely happy family and nobody can nobody can say anything bad at us yeah yep. I think I think that's why I, I like those that, that couple when they turn up because um, I think it's because they, they get proper nasty but it's like in between probably a couple of scenes of Dougal being a bit vacuous and very sort of like innocent, a couple of really innocent gags probably and then like a really nasty one in between and it's like I like the way they can do all of those things and it doesn't seem it still doesn't seem wrong to change it yeah it's not jarring even though you feel like it should be it still sort of fits like a puzzle piece like the the two the, what is the word I'm looking for not dichotomies dichotomies maybe dichotomies dichotomies let's stick with dichotomies just let's stick with dichotomies yeah let's pretend we're, we're city bankers yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh okay then uh, you get the coke and hookers then and I'll get the uh, Bentley and drive in <laughs> works for me I'm pretty sure that Father Larry Duff was before Kenny in South Park is that right he would have been because South Park wouldn't even have started this point. Yeah, yeah. So he was doing this stuff. Yeah, very true, actually. <laughs> going out of yeah. his way to die every week. Yeah. Did you we know? ever actually see him dying? That was the point I was going to make. So what we've seen so far... Or get, yeah. or get mashed up in some way, you know. Well, he, he drove a car off a cliff. Yeah. But he seems to have survived. And this time he... <laughs> Possible. Yeah. He got a he got a knife thrown at him. Now, it could have landed yeah. anywhere. Now, that's that's more believable. Yeah. That's more believable. There's an amazing yeah. sound effect, though. Yeah, yeah, the, cr- the knife <laughs> squelch. Uh, so uh, see, I'd imagine it must have went into his thigh or something, just the way the the sound uh, the sound cue went. But the car that went over the cliff was like a muscle car of some sort. Like it was like he, he's terrific fun. <laughs> he, he doesn't do things by <laughs> yeah, half measures. <laughs> uh, so he might have had an ejector seat for all you know. There you go. I mean, there he's a bit go. of a risk taker, but like he he volunteers to be on a knife throwing <laughs> participant. So you know, priests are often like that, though, aren't they? They want you know they want to they want to be fun and and get involved. Oh yeah, in be, be the jovial be, one. Be seen to be getting involved in things. You know, uh, that's believable. And then we get onto the uh, onto the iconic line. Maybe we could teach him to say one or two things, nothing too specific. A few all-purpose sentences like, "That would be an ecumenical matter." <laughs> The all-purpose sentence, something like, that would be an ecumenical matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> many times have you used that organically in a sentence? Well, I, I do remember, not for this show, I, I remember when I watched the show, probably probably for, you know, as, as a teenager, the second or third time, whatever, I did look up what ecumenical meant, because it is not a word I was, I was familiar with. But I'm glad it exists. It, seem, it seems like a good thing. 
Yeah, well, I, you know. I think it just means all. Uh, well, there's an ecumenical council yeah. in the Vatican, right? And I think it just therefore became just all-purpose word for religious affairs or yeah. something. What What does the definition what, you came what up with? What it actually means is is uh, bringing different branches of of Christianity closer together and and how to do that. Oh, so okay. actually, it's it basically apt. a good thing. And, yeah. and indeed, pretty much everything would be an ecumenical matter. Well, yeah. exactly. So he's found the perfect all-purpose sentence then? Yeah. It doesn't get audibly as big a laugh as I expect, which I think is true of a lot of uh, physical jokes, because obviously the audience sees the thing before before we're shown the shot of it. But when we see the flip chart... Right, now, I want you to have a look at this. Have a go at the first one here. That. Drink! No, no, no. That. Drink! Now, come on, Father, concentrate. That. Drink! 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 Now, come on now, Father, I know you can do it. There'll be a little drink in it for you if you do it. Drink? Yes, I promise. Now, come on, try again. That. Drink! Come on now, Father, you almost had it. That. That's great! That's brilliant, Father! Let's keep it going here on the next one. That's wood! That's wood! Drink! That would be an ecumenical matter. And then two, yes, those are the only phrases. Do we want to teach you? He teaches them in that order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Father Jack is so unlikely to say yes. Yeah. Ted like starts him off with relatively simple. That would be an ecumenical matter <laughs> before graduating to yes. Yeah. That, that's level two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> that it's it's amazing how how much of a memorable character and how much energy Frank Kelly is able to do when he when he really doesn't do or say anything. The yeah. vast majority of the time he is just sat there doing nothing and and he's just trotted out for like a one word joke. And and how memorable he is, and how often people quote him, and it's the bit you remember from the show. If anything, it's it's amazing how that works. Yeah. This might be—I don't know—I haven't looked it up, but this might be his kind of longest bit on-screen talking in the whole series. It, it's quite possible. Probably, yeah. Yep. Probably that he's become, he's so front and center of the yep. action. But yeah, I mean, he he can just four words or five words, whatever it is. He managed to. That would be an ecumenical. Which he does. He does eventually get him saying it, doesn't he? It yeah. Does and get to the point where Jack can actually trot it out. Yeah. And at one cue as well. Here's Father Hackett now. <laughs> He's been looking forward to your visit, haven't you, Father? Yes. <laughs> this is Bishop O'Neill. Don't get up. <laughs> yes. This is Bishop Fax. Yes. And this is Bishop Jordan. Yes. <laughs> They're looking after you, then, Father. That would be an <laughs> Yes! I was just saying, Father, how I'm looking forward to discussing the social effects of some of the Church's thinking as regarding issues of personal morality. That would be an ecumenical matter! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just brilliant elocution. All it takes is a bit of, uh, a bit of temptation with a drink. Yep. And, you know, you can get... So my friend's teacher did it. Yeah, well, I just uh, played you with alcohol while yeah. teaching you French. Yeah, yeah, and other things. Ted's, Ted's <laughs> plan works. I think we, we shouldn't forget this fact. Yeah. That Ted's plan of teaching actually, these two phrases for quite a lot of the episode, uh, that works really well. It's only, actually, it's only actually, for other reasons that it all yeah. goes wrong. It, it was Dougal's plan. Ah, it, it was. It was the one who suggested. Ah, it says we could train yeah, him like yeah, a dog, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah, working it, like a dream team and Dougal and Ted they, it worked yeah well there, exactly there was a point when Jack came in uh, and introduced himself to the priest or to the bishop sorry who then they referred to him as Father Hackett so they actually given him his proper title and he does he plays the part well and genuinely at that moment they're swimming they're home free yeah. it's only the input of the bishops themselves that starts uh, putting things yep. putting things out of whack out of kilter Oh yeah, you have a few other notes here that I want you wanted to bring up here. The props man, Tim Youngman. Oh yeah, I think this is uh this is a really good episode for props and there's loads of there's loads of good episode for props um in this, but there's so much stuff in it that someone had to make. We've got all the books, you've got the bathroom, you've got the holy stone itself, you've got the sign with you know, the twenty pounds thing taped over the top, you've got a Ferrero Rocher pyramid. That's the other bit that I just kind of think that and the Kennedy gag, I think those two bits it's dated. You can do better than that. Fellas, you know, it was. Fu- I think it was funny at the time. It would have been funny at the time. But it's been so long since, I, since we've seen Ferrero Rocher adverts. But I mean, like anyone could just quote <laughs> any any sitcom could just quote. Yeah, but it's yeah, but that's it's a, that's one type of joke, and it's only it's only used. What you know, like often you hear people like using song lyrics in conversation. Yeah, and that's supposed to be funny. It's funny once. Yeah, and, and so he only does it once. So it's kind of and but uh, I just want to say the prop guy, Tim Youngman. Um, went on to do a lot of other stuff like Gavin and Stacey, Phoenix Knights, Vicar of Dibley. He's had quite a successful career in comedy props. Yeah. So any any you know young comedy people at home get into props? Well, uh, you mentioned uh, the props actually. I attributed that in a previous episode to Declan Lowney's directorial choices. So maybe I, I mis- misappropriated the. I don't. I don't know. I mean. But he probably said, "I want a book." Well, obviously, I want Gary Lineker's big book of uh, ghost stories. Yep. But he said, right, this is the way I want it. Now, the props man has to then manufacture that. And he would say, I want a bathroom that is desperately yep. pink. Yep. And then somebody has to design that. So it did it did take the, the overall vision. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Declan Downey. Uh, he, rent, he directed a film called Celtic Woman, A New Journey. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concert, actually. It's a film concert. It's um, it's incredible. It's one of the, the best you know, concerts I've ever seen on film. I mean, it's really like they're, they're, they've changed their lineup over the years, Celtic Women. But like back back when that concert was, they they were fantastic. And I think it's interesting that he he's done Father Ted, which did very well. He did that, which which did very well. Was this before or after Ted? Oh, it would have been a few years after, but not by much. And it's interesting because they're two, you know, clearly celebratory pieces about Irish culture. Right, but not similar in any way at all. So, so what is it? Is like, is it like Enya sort of stuff, or like no, it's Celtic much better. It's it's traditional kind of Irish music, um, but performed performed very well, basically. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. So, so he has got quite a big range then. Yeah, he's, uh, done, he's done loads of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we'll get back to the episode at hand because we're only about a quarter of the way through and we're running out of time very very quickly. Uh, I did want to bring up Mrs. Doyle. Now, as I said, this is probably her biggest uh, her biggest episode. Yeah. As far as screen time is concerned, because she has actually a, a plot in this one, in that her glasses or her contacts have been stolen oh, by a I dog. I love yeah, that yeah. line. The yeah. dog ran off with them. Yeah, how did the dog actually uh, conspire to get these <laughs> these things? But then she has a pair of glasses. So that's like, that's what Father Ted is about. Yeah, the gags that would not be in any other show ever. You know, that's yeah. what I mean. You know, right? Yes, yeah. That uh, that sort of elevates it above the sort of standard. But the Ferrero Rocher, I mean. That I still quote that. Oh, with these Ferrero Rocher, you're spoiling us. Well, if it had been like, Who's, who is it giving you Ferrero Rocher? The ambassador, clearly. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> when I when I go around the ambassador's restaurant, do you remember that ad, by the way? 
The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste that captivates his guests. Ferrero Rocher, a taste sensation, rich, luxurious, unique. Excellent. Monsieur, with Ferrero Rocher, you're really spoiling us. Ferrero Rocher, a sign of good taste. There was like the uh, camera I, I panned vaguely, in, vaguely from, do, yeah. Well, the camera panned in from outside a window into the window, and then just sort of like as if somebody was sneaking into the party, right? And that's when the uh, it, was, it was kind of creepy, like incredibly awful advert, but yeah. everybody remembers it. Mm. So that's like I think, good I think they've been uh, usurped now by those those lint chocolate balls. You know the uh, ones yeah. that they're really good. Well, they're easier stacked as well. I think are they? I think they come individually wrapped, like it, like but with with twisty ends, you know, instead oh, of in like yes. a cup. So I, d- I don't know, but I think I think generally those are what you're seeing now. But uh, she was very excited. This was going to be her career high point. Yeah. And at no point does she say the phrase "I'll go on." So that's ag- true. Again, like she, uh, it was 25 times in one episode. Which episode was that? That was the one with uh, Henry Sellers, when she ah, wanted right, to take right, the yeah. the sherry. Right. Apart from that, she's only said it about four times. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. I, I, I do. I'm, this is going to be a running gag in the, or a running theme in the podcast. Is what is or is not a catchphrase? Well, is that it's it's attributed to her more than maybe it should have been because that one episode, just that clip, is re- used relentlessly in clip shows now. Yeah, I'd never really thought about that. And I think they're, they're much more creative than just saying "I'll go on." Yeah, they're not they're not just piping out the catchphrase. They're saying the same sentiment, just with different words, much more creatively. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, this one is kind of the opposite because the idea is she's lost her contacts, so she comes in with a tray but leaves before anybody yeah. can actually get any snacks. Uh, it's, so it's, it's like it's, it's, instead of I'll go on, it's like no, yeah, you can't <laughs> have any. <laughs> show them to the, the guests, there, take there was, them away again. There was an example of that last week as well when Father Ted actually gave in and had a cinnamon, but a cinnamon cake. That's my that's my favourite Mrs. Doyle line of all time. Yeah. Are you sure? There's cocaine in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's like a dog ran off with them. How do you, how how do you come up with with getting it so confused? Yeah, it's yeah. Funny. <laughs> but it was a wonderful piece of uh, physical comedy when she's going round in her state of blindness. The three bishops. Now she's very close to them. Walked but, straight out. Yeah, yep. and she she managed to actually address each bishop one by one, but still not <laughs> yeah. not have them get uh, get uh, a sweet off the thing. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Any any excuse for a. Uh, a character who can see to now not be able to see or somebody who's completely sensible and they've they're drunk but not in a way that people are actually drunk like in a in a tv way people are drunk or they've they've taken some medicine for something and now suddenly they're they're completely crazy I, I, yeah, yeah i love all stuff i love stuff like that it's, it's good fun yeah uh what, she what, wants to be the perfect host. This is the tragedy, but she fails <laughs> to offer any, you know, branded chocolate snacks yeah, exactly. <laughs> to anyone in real life. And and she goes off into, well, I was about to say hysterics. It's more like catatonic state when uh, the thought of the housekeeper serving the tea, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that that's the end of her for the for the episode. Then, which I which I felt a bit let down by because there was a lot more potential in yeah. that story. And uh, she's just dragged off in a, as I said, a catatonic state, and we don't see her again for the rest of the episode. Until well, until she declares that one of the bishops is dead. Right. Uh, so she doesn't actually. It felt a bit, felt a bit unresolved that, or something. It's worse for Mrs. Doyle, and only does she fail to serve them tea properly. But then one of the one of the guests dies. I mean, that, you know, yeah. <laughs> she'll never. Yeah, she can't go around and, the sort of housekeepers' union it, anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She can't bring that story up. 
Like they'll all be asking, so how did the three bishops go? <laughs> well, I misidentified the body when I was uh, <laughs> trying to <laughs> as for, as a piece of garbage. <laughs> Uh, Dougal's incense it gets confused with his incense with his insects yep and you had a bit of a theory about that what was that I, I have a theory because that um, yeah you know that joke you, you can you can imagine somebody writing that it, it's funny it's okay but then earlier on in the episode when Dougal says what's the big deal the bishops come in they strip down the wallpaper they fumigate the place not a problem now that's that's so out there yeah. that somebody could confuse bishops with exterminators. <laughs> I suspect that the incense insects joke came first, and then the the really out there one about him confusing bishops with something to do with insects was put in afterwards. A little bit uh, like in the Only Fools and Horses, I imagine, where where they're dressed in fancy dress to go to to a party, then they turn up and actually it turns out it's now awake. They're the only ones in fancy dress. I suspect that came first, and then, and then to... he thought, "Hey, hang on a minute. One, you know, since they're dressed as Batman and Robin, we, I, I, but I don't no, know. I've got an episode yet. I think, I think things are often written backwards. I don't know. My favourite moment from that, Only Fools and Horses, is that Trigger's there, and he's got, and he's come as James Bond, and he's like, I feel like a right because <laughs> yeah. I came as James Bond in a black suit and a black tie and it <laughs> turned out to be a funeral if it, yeah. if it's right in there's definitely like i can sort of see a link between trigger and dougal there's a similar <laughs> like it's not just they're stupid but they've taken it to an extreme where it's like surreal <laughs> yeah. the mistakes that they make yeah, yeah, yeah. and like what their version of like reality is just mental Look, graham has said in interviews that he was looking to get a, a character like well he, he quoted baldrick uh right. baldrick was the one he wanted to model him on i think it's actually a better one than baldrick yeah, sp- although so. Baldrick is hard to pin down because obviously there's a different character in each series right. of uh, Black Adder, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it, it hits it better, and I think it's better acted I think, as the the dimwit. I think of all of them, possibly. Yeah, he he definitely gets across the the childlike innocence, uh, of, innocence it. of it yeah. very well. Yeah, he's up there with um, with Matt LeBlanc for that. I think probably and uh, and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it. He does it very well too. Joey, yeah. jo- I mean, Joey and, and Dougal are very, very similar characters. Yeah, it, because actually, stupid people who are just stupid—that's that's not that funny, and they're not particularly lovable. It has it has to be the other qualities. Yeah, that that come with being childlike just their as well. overt positivity yeah, yeah, and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Dougal's an amazing character for them to get away with because how much he's in it, and, yeah. and how extreme he is, and yet it doesn't seem like. Oh, this stupid man again. I mean, it's like yeah. mm. it never gets grating. Like how much, how much is in it at all, or how that, much, how stupid he is, or anything. That's because Ted is there to 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 say what we would say. Yeah, and exactly. he's and he's allowed to be mean because he likes him, and they're they're so he's he's allowed to be the. Yeah, Ted actually addresses his stupidity, and he yeah. does it on numerous occasions. Mm. And rather than in other sitcoms, it would just be let pass. And yet, yeah, standard sitcom rule continually forgets yeah he's always surprised <laughs> as if it's the first time every time that that he can be this stupid it's, yeah. it's great sitcom rule yeah at the blessing of the holy stone uh, there's a nice little tiny tiny joke uh, that i just want to bring up they have their blessing and all yep. the priests say amen amen and then dougal amen amen yeah, that's, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's brilliant uh, that is brilliant so again he, he's spent his seven years at the at the seminary and clearly nothing's nothing's gone in because yep. all the heaven and hell and everlasting life that's the bit I have difficulty with <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think actually for for a show about Catholic priests for a sitcom about Catholic priests 
it is very respectful of Catholicism, generally speaking. You reckon? I I think this show, I, I can't think of an episode where Catholicism philosophically gets more of a kicking than this one. And even then, it's very gentle. It's this same episode where Ted's, because Ted's coming up with the ecumenical matter line, so he wants to teach it to Jack, and he says, that's what's so great about Catholicism. Yeah, it's no so one, vague. Yeah. Nobody no one knows. knows what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, kind yeah. of, it's not a positive thing to say, but it's not like, it's a different case from saying something really, really damning about the damaging effects of a religion or something like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, saying yeah. something that's like, undermines it in the most kind of well, see, spoofy way you could come up with. That, like, for me personally, and for a lot of people I would know probably, uh, and I, have, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, is like that puncturing of that complete reverence. Yeah, puncturing is the right, yeah. Yeah, it was like, that That was revelatory for a lot of people because suddenly then the Catholic Church wasn't this, you know, demagoguery of, uh, you know, mm. whatever they say goes. Like, in Ireland, like, 1995, they had just passed a divorce referendum. It had to go to a referendum to legalise divorce because the power of the Catholic Church was such a, uh, you know, such a, such a figure. It was in the Constitution of Ireland when the state was formed, and they came in. And they, as I said, they didn't savage them. If they had just savaged them, it would have just turned people off. Right. But the fact that they're they're able to pinprick mm. just at the at the fabric of it, it meant that the yeah. the general message of you know, geez, this is all stupid, just relax a bit. Yeah. I think it got across much much better. That again, actually, if if we if we're going to raise negative criticisms, that that'd probably be my my biggest problem with the show. You know, bishop bishops are going to be very, very aware of all of these kind of arguments. Yeah. And in absolutely no way is any bishop not going to have heard that some people don't believe in God and some people don't believe in miracles and, and find the whole thing crazy. This is not going to be the first time he's hearing it. But I guess maybe he's never heard it from a priest and so it just about flies as, as being believable. They sort of slipped in a line about where he goes, ah, oh, well, Father... Maguire, I've been struggling with my conscience or whatever, and then you've turned me, oh, tipped me over yeah. the... Yeah. Well, they I sort d- of like shut it well in packaged. clearly. It's well packaged, yeah. Well, that's, we haven't actually spoken about the bishops. That was Bishop O'Neill, who, who joined the hippie movement very, yeah. very quickly. But he had his do-rag packed. He had his... Uh, he's always got He's got his hippie friends. Where did they come from? Exactly. He had all the he had all the, uh, the do-rag and the hippie clothes already packed. So I think he was just ready for somebody to give him that little, little push, and it mm. just happened to be Dougal. Who he asked? Like, if you had asked Ted, do you ever any of any ever have any doubts? Ted might have been, well, I've doubts about my conscience because I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've. Oh, got Ted would just suppress temptation. it all in some lower part yeah. of his brain. He's suppressed the fact of what happened with that money. Yeah, resting just in his resting account. in his account. <laughs> he yeah. just suppresses everything underneath and sort of on the surface. So um, if it, know, if it just happened that it tends if, to be a proper, you know, worthy priest or whatever yeah yeah if it just happened that it was Dougal that he managed to walk around the road with and that's who has no like filter right. on his thoughts yeah. and just says whatever he comes out and the other the other two bishops now Bishop Jordan uh, didn't really have much uh, in the, the argument of the, the the existentialism of the Catholic Church he was just there as the the character who has the tragic heart attack but uh, Bishop Fax uh, he was obviously very very stringent in his beliefs yep to the point where he drove Jack to to uh, hideous acts yeah. of it's an amazing <laughs> bodily scene. invasion. It's like yeah. kind of I don't know what B movie or something. The Jack he sort of leaps to his feet, screaming, <laughs> grabs the holy stone, yeah. and sort of 
you, you, can, you can't really describe it verbally. It's, it's amazing to look well, at. Well, yeah, it, it does look like the attack of the 50-foot monster or yeah, something because yeah. it just picks up this little stone, which, you know, in your head, when you saw that little diagram of it on the calendar, you oh, assumed another, it was like yeah, 12 foot tall. Yeah, that's another It makes it look huge. Yeah, yeah that's, that's funny. Uh, but Bishop Fax, uh, he's one of those people that just fucking just invade your personal yep. space so much with his prodding finger and just... Oh, I, used to, I used to know somebody who insisted and every time they were chatting to you just squeeze the, the top of your shoulder muscle and like you're a cat so, yeah Ooh. and it was like I, th- I think Ooh, it was some sort of male worse. dominance thing he wanted to you know squeezing yeah well just get you there and go oh, we're good buddies aren't we or you know you're going to have a good time tonight and just keep doing that and it was like I was ready just to <laughs> lower my <laughs> shoulder and no just swing it it sounds quite homoerotic well, yeah, possibly, possibly, but it was. It, I just find it so annoying, and so if you have, that, yeah. if you have somebody just constantly trapping at your shoulder with their to to you know hammer home their point, yeah. almost to a literal degree, you are going to have a situation where Jack, who's got violent tendencies, as yep. we know, uh, and he's very creative with his violent tendencies, <laughs> <laughs> and he desecrates That'll the, do th- that, that object is the nearest object. That will do. <laughs> and <laughs> where, that's where a weapon. Yeah, he sticks it where the sun don't shine. Like that that was a big fucking conclusion to that storyline. Like I can't imagine any other sitcom going to that extent like. Like no, Basil I mean, Fawlty wouldn't have done it, that, for it's example. So it, it's it's strange because of the, the world it creates, it doesn't seem as harsh as it is. Yeah. It's you know, yeah. a bishop getting a rock stuffed up his ass. Yeah. Is, that's pretty nasty. Yeah, it's, but it's because sexual assault of the Because the way it's packaged. Order. Yeah, and because of how silly it is and, and just you know this little bubble they live in. It does. It doesn't seem so bad. Even even you know the other bishop dying, it, it because it comes so late. And you only see it for such a short period of time, and it was so silly anyway. It doesn't hit you like a real death. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I think that's part of uh, part of the charm of the show, really. Well, exactly. The cartoonishness sort of takes mm. away that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they have sort of cartoon violence as uh, as humour as well, which is hard to pull off in live action. Absolutely. Very hard to pull off. Uh, I mean, bottom bottom did it. I don't know how successful. I didn't particularly wasn't, like wasn't Bottom. As good as it wasn't on the same kind of Americanized, polished yeah. level as Father Ted. No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a comedy writer. I know, you know, like a hundred comedy writers, and, and how often people say, "Oh, I want it to be," or "I'm trying to make it a bit like Father Ted." Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not that easy. Yeah. Exactly. You can, yeah. You, maybe you can do the silly jokes. Maybe you can, but setting it up in a believable way yeah, that yeah. people buy into the characters and, and, and accept all of this silliness it's, it's not as easy as it sounds it really isn't and and exactly like it feels like it should be such an obvious idea mm. three priests on an island and they have wacky adventures but it, it's not like this. it's all the little threads all the little elements that all compile to make this wonderful whole yeah. that is the, the, the series all feathered head like mm-hmm. it is I don't think it'll ever be recreated anywhere near as successfully like, no. like, can you even think of a show since then that is anywhere near as rich and as uh, you know as wholesome as? Peep show? Well, I don't know. If Peep show is wholesome. Not wholesome. Well, no, not wholesome. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean wholesome but, as in uh, you know family values wholesome. The, as in, the, only, like, the only show I can th- I can think of that is that is in any way similar in terms of mood is the IT crowd. But then that's not so surprising, is yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't have like all the different things going on. It's, it's yeah. pretty one trick in it. They yeah, it's really not. Do. It's not as deep. No, and, I mean, one of the things that like uh, is great about Father Ted is that half of the bloody episode, like pretty much every week, will be in the actual real Irish countryside. Yeah. So it's not like just this is studio sitcom. This is what happens. People walking around the other side of a table. 
getting <laughs> yes, jumping yeah. through the window or something. I eight, mean, eight people having dinner all at the same side of a table. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, that's, I think that's very underrated that, I mean, you go back to fucking Dad's Army or something and they spend half the episode stomping about in a, yeah. in a real yep. like field or something. I mean, that definitely... Well, it lends that, it authenticity it's a bit immediately. Literal, I suppose, but I mean, the outdoor stuff, something, it gives it another... Yeah, it, another it elevated with, uh, yeah, as you say, instead of just traveling in one room, like, a, you know, Only Fools and Horses was yeah. for the most part just in that living room, wasn't it? Mm. And every so often they would go to an Indian restaurant or something, but yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Ted would genuinely go to a book signing or a fun fair or yeah. it did, it never felt out of place. Like, I, I don't think anyway. No, that's right. Um, I, d- I don't think the writers were, were limiting themselves. I, I, I don't think, I don't think they were trying to necessarily Oh, let's go out and, and have him go to places. It was just it was just naturally what was happening, and they didn't have that thought of oh, this is going to cost more money to shoot. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. Not, their, not their problem. I it's think part of problem. the character of it, definitely. Mm. Yeah, the the aesthetic and everything yeah. as well. Yeah. So oh, we'll wrap it up there then with per uh, Bishop Fax having the Holy Stone of Crown Record v- yep. removed. <laughs> I do want I do want to bring up the fact that uh, Larry Joff was mentioned because he was a friend of Bishop Fax. What adventures really? do you reckon those two were getting up to? Which one was was he the? He was the one that had the the stone up his arm. Yeah, the angry one, the poker, the poker. The poker, yeah. That's interesting. Why would they? What <laughs> would they talk about? Yeah, exactly. They like, don't see. Well, but then Larry Larry Duff is tremendous fun, as as we've established. <laughs> Bishop Fax is quite high energy, also. Yeah. But in a different way, so maybe they kind of get each other. They they just sort of yeah they have a yeah yeah a like an intensity of of their faith. I feel slightly bad that I've be allowed to come here and pretend to know that what the sort of jokes that relate to Catholicism are about because I don't know much about it. And oh, well, I, said, I totally don't wish to suggest that it's any worse or any better than any other religion. Uh, well, I it's mean, definitely better than some of them. I think we all know which ones. <laughs> I, don't right. know, I don't know if I agree, having been brought up as one. No, necessarily. fair enough. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's but, pretty sort of honest about the stuff it says. It says you can do this, you can't do this. We're going to be tough on it. I mean, there's a sort of honesty to it. Yeah, well, see what what what's uh, what's allowed and what's not has changed so often that you can't even keep up anymore. Uh, and for most people now, like genuinely, well, I I went to, I was going to mass every week on Sunday mornings, and I'd never ever listened. I was just daydreaming mm. and, and singing Michael Jackson songs to myself the whole time and getting like getting like my uncle brought me to a Good Friday mass, which is about fucking three hours long. So they have a passion to the Mel Gibson passion. Oh, yeah, surprise! They have a, they have an totally enactment. Well, they <laughs> they have an enactment of that. Now it's not an enactment that'll be entertaining, where they actually move around. Right. And they, they just have them standing in the pulpits, just reading the lines, and it's, Jesus Christ, it is boring. You well, know, they, they want to hammer it home, like how how awful the suffering would have been, but, well, which you can agree with. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean all the other stuff is true. Well, it, I mean, there probably was somebody, Jesus of Nazareth, who did rise up against, you know the. Yeah, the really there, there's there's very good evidence. Yeah, yeah, uh, but like whenever you see him depicted, he's this really sullen and boring guy, and you think, mm. who would ever drop all their fishing nets to follow him? That's why why point. is he never given like a sort of charisma or a sort of a passion or you know just an energy or something? Why is he not charming? Why is he never? Why is he always <laughs> come come into the light, boy? Let the children come to me. Like it's always so yeah dead and and. Like yeah, oh, it just it just annoys this, me. This is yeah, you're absolutely right. This is all artistic um, interpretation, isn't it? Like because there's there's if you think about how thick the New Testament is and how how little of it is actual direct 
speech attributed to Jesus. It doesn't say he said it in this way. Yeah. It doesn't say what his mood was or if it did he wave his hands about or not. So yeah, you're right. He could he could have been a lot more entertaining. Yeah. Probably was. Actually. It, well, if yeah. if he was able to actually, you know, rise up and form a new religion, right. he would have necessarily been like Donald Trump, we all hate him, but he's got charisma and that's why people just are magnetized by him, like Yep. Don't you ever see that uh, portrayed? Yeah, I, I genuinely think that people nowadays just go to mass for the social aspect of it because you're in a small town. Mm. You're all working in separate different towns and stuff. After you've left school, you generally don't see people mm. unless you're all going to mass at the same time on a Sunday morning. And people just, they stand outside for, you know, a good 45 minutes, an hour, yep. just chatting to people. And it's the only time they might see people all week. And you do, it does maintain that sense of community and stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I get the impression there's kind of a directness to it, though, in terms of like something happens in the um, Catholic masks. I mean, I went to a Quaker school when I was a teenager. Right, okay. And it's basically the only thing it has in common with like other basically Christian denominations and stuff like that is congregating in a room, really, in a sort of <laughs> basically religious kind of context every morning for like your school morning assembly thing. Except the the Quaker version is you assemble in a room just to do fuck all, and there's no like hymns or I'm prayers. The sound or, of this. Yeah. It's like you couldn't do the Quaker version of Father Ted because every episode would be like the Father Stone episode, you know? Right? Just okay. Be people right. sitting yeah. around, not for saying. a good Bank, bit of banking good... and making porridge. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even doing any of those things. Just a bit of silence. Just a, sort of sitting around and like. Oh, just piousness. Yeah. Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we here? But like, you, why are we here? Like, uh, why are we in this room? To sit <laughs> here, do well, nothing. Well, I don't know about yourselves, but I was dragged to mass every Sunday, and I was making it harder. I was genuinely making it harder and harder for people to get me up on Sunday mornings. I would just not get up on Sunday mornings. So they got <laughs> eventually got the they eventually got the message and just stopped trying to wake me. And it would be like that would be the only time of the week I'd have the house to myself would be the everyone everyone's at mass. And I've only ever gone to weddings and funerals since. I've never actually gone to a run of the mill mass in about 20 years maybe. I think yeah. I've got I think I've gone to one but but then I've, I've never been Catholic so I don't think I would have done I've got, yeah. I've got an image in my head from as a child um, you know having like a wafer on my tongue and, and wine and stuff but I, I mean that could have been at my aunt's house right yeah yeah but see it might have been it might have been a wedding or something you're at or a, a funeral no, like, I, I don't think so Oh, it was again. I was saying I can't remember. And my parents weren't Catholic, so it doesn't make any sense. Is why why you were having the? Yeah, well, I don't know why I would have been there. It could have been a dream. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you're just envious and you sort of conjured these ideas. <laughs> well, I think my only like experience of it at all is I went to a wedding a couple of years ago up in Manchester, and um, it only becomes apparent that the place is a Catholic church once you're inside, because from the outside it doesn't it doesn't look at all like a church building. It looked like right, a sort okay. of community centre building or something. So like architecturally it was not like a religious place but inside obviously once you're in there you see all the trappings around yeah. you so I don't know what's the history of that but. well they are they're always beautiful buildings like churches are, are you know routinely like the most beautiful buildings and towns like and they, they genuinely are and like I, I love nice architecture churches are always beautiful buildings even the modern ones that don't uh, don't go with the spire idea they they still are like beautiful works of art as far as the architecture goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and even like the the twelve stations of the cross, which is you know twelve depictions artistic depictions of Jesus being crucified, 
they're always like lovely in case you forget yeah exactly <laughs> but they're always beautiful like works of art and that, that's the one thing they did get on board with very quickly like with Da Vinci and everything and Michelangelo they were they were the ones that made the renaissance happen mm. almost to their own detriment without realising it but uh, yeah but on that on that uh, cheery note yes uh, I think we'll, the world to right yeah <laughs> I take think that organised religion yeah. <laughs> well what do you think of the episode then it's definitely for me a top fiver it's way yeah, it's way yeah. up there there's lots of there's lots of things to like about it yeah probably in top five or certainly in the top half for sure for sure right and yourself um, well, said you said this. your favourite episode definitely the top two I think this is probably this discussion I think brought up some of the bits that are really funny in this episode and uh, I'd probably say it's my favourite one Right. But I mean, it's it's not about necessarily. You can watch all of them. Well, exactly. You don't need exactly. to choose one. Well, it's just it's just for you know completeness. At the end, I like to rank things, so mm. I'm trying to pick five episodes yeah. at the end. If I really, if I really had to choose, if I really had to, I would say I like all of the episodes in in series three the best. Really, right? Okay. Well, probably because they, they seem to have properly gotten the hang they, of, they, of they, this they've, they've hit the nail yeah. in the head by that point. And it's it's odd that season two is actually the longest season. Season three. Yeah, it's yeah. got less episodes so season, series 2 is 10 episodes I think and then season 3 is 8 sounds, so, sounds right so they're obviously a bit more um, they're a bit more self-critical maybe yeah. and just decided right we're, we're not going to do another episode it's not going to it's not going to hit the standards well they did plenty but they did yeah I think they did the right kind of number overall yeah well, tw- 24 episodes plus Christmas special is uh, it's so much harder here because the, the writers have to write them themselves like if you get it, if you've got a sitcom, you're writing all the episodes. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. I really like that though, do 24. About, I mean, that's what bothers me a bit about a lot of American shows is they just get ground on and on and on. Mm. Well, 24 um, episodes every year. Yeah. Like that is that's a monumental uh, workload to bring on yourself. Like. I mean, there's plenty of American shows that I really like. I mean, I've really enjoyed loads of episodes of The Simpsons or like Futurama or, um, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of one that's not a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, there's some really good Seinfeld ones, but um, they just they don't know when to stop. I mean, what, they, what just... they do when it, the moment it comes becomes unprofitable. Troy McClure said. Yeah. <laughs> but like in the in the in the American things, because there is so many episodes, and they do they sort of delegate to a group of writers. They they do have sort of formula episodes then where. Mm. You know, maybe the fifth episode of each season will be the episode where they do something wacky with the format. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's there's ones that just hit all the like the Friends and Fraser all had an episode where somebody was stuck on a roof. Do you know what yep. I mean? And yep. I'm sure there's other ones that don't necessarily spring to mind. Oh, right there's away. loads. Of, there's loads of them, aren't there? Like you've got three Thanksgiving dinners you have to attend in the yeah. same day, or you've got two girlfriends and. They're coming to the same event, yes, and you, for yeah. some reason, have to wear a different hat—literally a different hat—when you're and talking the, to each of them, stuff like that. Yeah. They all have the lie hole episode as well, where they keep just digging a hole of lies, just d- deeper and deeper. Instead of just saying, "Oh shit, I've double booked here. Uh, I've said <laughs> to you that I'm going to be there, and I've said to you I'm going to be there." Obviously, I can't do both. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to do: instead of doing that, they just keep. Fucking, oh, yeah. it, that used to always annoy me. It's like, well, why don't you just say the fucking my, issue? <laughs> my my least favorite sort of TV. Thing, sacrifice for story that you have like in real life right if if somebody comes in and and it looks bad you say okay i know this looks bad yeah just give me a minute and i can explain in real life the person says okay and they listen but on tv the person says no i know exactly what's happening um, i'm i'm leaving now 
I don't need an explanation. This is exactly how it looks. I'm going to jump to this conclusion and yeah. you're going to have to get your own way out of it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right, well, so thanks very much for uh, joining us then on our very first roadshow, on our title episode. Uh, Jordan Birch, who's just slurping the last last wee drips of uh, Stella out of his tin. I have some left. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got <laughs> some left. Uh, and Ali Alsop, who's just drinking the last few slurps of, what's that you're drinking? It was a pale ale from the, a bottle of pale ale from the cafe that turns out to serve booze, which is I reckon. Yeah. It, I reckon it's from Greenwich. It says meantime on it. London meantime. Mm. And I, I, I actually stayed teetotal for this. I'm, I'm very proud of myself. To the pub. Yeah. To the pub I'm actually going yeah. to. Yeah, there's a Weatherspoons across the road and you're all invited. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much. I mean the listener. Well, the, the listeners can come too. It's hell of a round. Yeah. Well, we've got about 50 regular listeners at the minute that I'm aware of. If they all if they all want to come down for our next road show, which may or may not be in Edinburgh at the festival, I'm, I'm still trying to work out the... You get like an audience for that. Yeah, do like a question. I would love to. Back. I would absolutely love to. That, I, that I'm trying to make a tipping point for this to make it like, you know, profitable. But uh, yeah, so I'd love to be able to put it in front of an audience, even if it's an audience of fifty people. That would be amazing. That's bigger than any audience I've ever had. Well, it's bigger than well. I say that it's. I've had audiences of nearly a hundred, over a hundred. So I've had audiences of one. But you're you're just is a stand up your channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I was on a, I was in a play, so that doesn't really count. Okay. Yeah, so there was like seven other people who were all bringing their friends. So right. I, it was like a you know six degrees sort of thing. Oh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for listening. Uh, we're on iTunes, so give us a rating and review and get, get us on facebook.com slash ecumenicalmatters. And I've been James McInespy, and bless you.